That's always good when you start off with a laugh. Science, it's great. Pregnant, a uh, young girl, <laughs> teen, doesn't know how to tell her parents. <laughs> Movie freaks. Edward Furlong's in it, too. I am freaking hopeless. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Movie Freaks, the only podcast on the net that never needs a bigger boat, because we know the scary things that are out there. <laughs> Hey everybody, how are you doing? We got a big show planned for tonight, but it's going to be a little bit different. We're not doing the roulette. We kicked that back because we have special guests. Sis, sis, sis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is uh, kind of our part two of our two pod, two furious. Since Ty is on vacation, we hooked up with uh, Cinema Sidekicks, filled in for them, for Ty a little bit took two of us to fill in his gigantic <laughs> position and now we've got steven over here to uh just contribute on a giant director spotlight i'm sure it's going to take plenty of time yep um and we'll also maybe do some recently watched and uh fill in whatever we didn't have time for over there on the part one um uh, say hello, Stephen. Anything you want to throw out there? Uh, hello. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. It's always fun to do these uh, two-part uh, megapods. So uh, thanks for having me, and hello, everybody. <laughs> no problem. And as always, uh, Eugene is joining us. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so if you didn't listen to part one please go listen to that first so that you can get all of our homoerotic jokes that are sure to come up (laughs) but for this episode we are going to be focusing we're going to do a real big director spotlight on mr steven spielberg it's a good thing that uh we are doing steven spielberg this time because we have steven with us Mm -hmm. uh for such a big director it's good to get a third opinion instead of just the normal two schlubs that you're used to hearing (laughs) both of you uh (laughs) so (laughs) let's start off going uh kind of round table with uh we usually do little tidbits um whatever that we can scour from the net i'm sure we'll have crossover on little points here but um i'll start off one not that terribly interesting, but a little bit of a homerish in me had to mention it. Uh, born 1946 in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's right. Ohio represent. Beautiful. Steven oh, Spielberg. Nice. Gotta love it. Uh, I'll pass it over to Eugene and then to Steven. Okay. Uh, one note for myself. This is actually not so much about Steven Spielberg, but the first Steven Spielberg movie I ever watched was uh, a uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, so and that was because of that. Uh, had, that that really shaped why I love movies like I do, along with Empire Strikes Back and The Shining. Those three movies really cemented my undying love for for cinema. So I have Mr. Steven Spielberg to thank for that. Nice. Yeah, I went through and just kind of looked up uh, interesting facts for Steven Spielberg, and here's one. Um, he is the highest-grossing director ever with a little over $9 billion in uh, revenues. Wow! <laughs> that is crazy. Uh, okay. Uh, go ahead and say next or something. Oh, Give me next. a sign when uh, you're talking. Go okay. ahead. Go ahead. Uh, started Amblin Entertainment. Named, I already knew that he had started Amblin, but 
Uh, it was named after one of his early films. I was always surprised by that. Uh, a little surprised by that because I thought that Duel was his first movie, but it actually was kind of like his third attempt at a feature film, uh, even though that was a direct-to-TV uh, affair that got a theatrical release later. Um, that He made this movie called Amblin, and I don't know that it actually ever got released. But he decided to name his production company after it uh, a little later. I thought that was cool. They released E.T., one of the biggest movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Next. Uh, for me, uh, I, I'm i going to mention uh, Industrial Lights and Magic, ILM. He's used ILM pretty much for all of his movies other than The Terminal from 2004, which is actually one movie that I have not seen, which we're going to get into that a little bit later. Uh, but ILM is one of the premier special effects houses and that's pretty much what he's been using uh, ever since uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and and by the way uh, that was created by ILM was created by George Lucas mm-hmm. on to me okay uh, he was rejected twice to direct a James Bond movie that's something I discovered. So, uh, on to you. I, I thought wow, that's rejected. I didn't. I, I knew that that was one of his favorite things. I didn't know he was rejected twice. Yeah, I came across that on a couple different uh, wow. websites. He was rejected twice. Like, who rejects Steven Spielberg to direct a movie? I mean, uh, stupid people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna do a back to back one here. Jaws credited with inventing the quote unquote summer blockbuster. That's pretty amazing, especially if you know anything about the backstory of what a troubled production yeah. that film had. Uh, and next, one of the greatest sins of the Academy of all time, Shakespeare in Love wins the Oscar for Best Picture over Saving Private Ryan. Just dwell on that for a yeah. moment. Nah. Over to you. <laughs> uh, so you you actually just took away the one that I was going to say that uh, that that was that was one of the biggest shockers I have ever in all my entire life uh, sat through at the Oscars that that movie beat out uh, Saving Private Ryan. There's, that, a, there's a good chance that that was the moment <clears throat> where I shook my head in shame and said, "No, Academy, no, <laughs> yeah. we are done." Yeah. Anyway. Okay, I'll do, it's on me. Okay, I'll do a couple here. Um, uh, speaking of the Oscars, he did win two Oscars himself uh, for directing, one for Schindler's List, and one for Saving Private Ryan. So he at least won uh, the director for that. And also, he was never paid for his work on Schindler's List. Um, he yeah. just kind of uh, didn't want to, you know, even receive any money for that. That's just kind of how uh, personal of a project it was for him. So. And that's how much of a badass that he is. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, uh, uh, one of the best movies ever made, ever contributed to the art of film. And mm. he was like, nope, no, no, none for me. That's wow, awesome. Uh, okay, over to me. Um, has as much success as a producer, as a director. Um, I'm just going to run down a quick list of movies he is a producer on. Poltergeist. Twilight Zone the movie, Gremlins, Goonies, Inner Space, Batteries Not Included, Roger Rabbit, The Land Before Time, Back to the Future, Arachnophobia, Sequest 2032, Men in Black, Deep Impact, Mask of Zorro, Animaniacs, Shrek, Band of Brothers, Transformers, True Grit, and Tintin. All of these movies, you can tell, 
have a little bit of Spielberg in them. And it's not just that he's a producer on them in name only. You can tell that they have a little bit of his essence kind of somewhere in there. And he is also well known for if he doesn't like the way a production is going, he will pull his name from the production, which is pretty cool. I always kind of uh, assumed he was the type that just kind of throws his name onto all these projects, but apparently he cares quite a bit. And it's pretty obvious if you look down at his producer list that they all have a little bit of him in it. Yeah. Or, or on the flip side of that, if he sees things going awry, <clears throat> he uh, gets a lot more involved, like Poltergeist. Yeah. <laughs> Poltergeist was directed by Toby Hooper, but it was directed by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, that looks like a Steven Spielberg <laughs> that, film all the way through. Everything about that is Steven Spielberg. None of that feels like a Toby Hooper movie <laughs> no, at all. I agree. I agree. <clears throat> so. Over to you. Um, I, I thought this was very interesting. He was irked when footage from his movie Duel was used as stock footage in an episode of The Incredible Hulk TV show. <laughs> but yeah. since Universal Studios owned the rights to both the Incredible Hulk series and the film Duel, taking legal action was not possible. However, he subsequently updated his contracts to include a clause that would protect his future material from being used as stock footage. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I like that. So. Okay. That? <laughs> I dropped uh, a pencil over here. Okay. Down the well. Yeah. Okay. Um, he suggested the PG-13 movie rating and ultimately played a big role in that. Uh, he was a college dropout, but then uh, in 2002, he went back and uh, got his, uh, well, he kind of finished up his degree. And this is interesting. He owns the only remaining sled from Citizen Kane. That was my next one. Oh, was that? <laughs> okay. that is crazy. Yeah, that that I want that. That's what I want. Could you imagine? Like I'm not even a huge uh, Citizen Kane fan, but Ooh. could you imagine having yeah. something that iconic to cinema in your house? That is just nuts. I would want uh, the uh, the snow globe, perhaps over the sled, maybe. But other than that, yeah. Oh, it sounds like you thought about it. I got it in a lit <laughs> a lit cabinet in the in the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, he has said that David Lean has had a profound effect on his career, and at one point, actually, sat down and watched Lawrence of Arabia with David Lean, and David Lean did a live commentary track for him. Nice. And he has said that that really shaped how he uh, has directed films or has made films. And you can, if you watch Lawrence of Arabia, you can see even, I, I don't know, do you want to say you can see Spielberg in that film? Or do you want to say that you can see Lean in all of Spielberg's films? Take your pick. Yeah. But it's definitely in there. And subsequently, I thought this was also interesting. He's never done a commentary track for any of his movies. Yeah, really? No, there's there is no. Is there a reason Spielberg, he doesn't do it? Uh, not one that I could find, but hmm. uh, maybe I, I could. If I had to assume the role of Spielberg for a minute, I would say that he he would probably say, "I don't want to tell people what to think about my art. I don't want you know. Just let people enjoy it the way yeah. it is, and that's that." Take away what you will. <clears throat> Trademark Steven Spielberg Marner. Okay. 
Over to you, Eugene. Um, <laughs> I want to get into the movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, seriously, if you want to be done. We can move on. There, there's so there's so much info on him. I'm not even sure what to pick. It's like oh, and all of it's good. I'm like I'm just I can just close okay, my eyes and well, point I, to something. I have one more. Throw, throw it to Stephen if there's anything else no, you want to add. Um, his middle name is Alan. Steven Allen Spielberg. My middle name is Allen, so we got uh, two thirds ah. of the same name. Although his <laughs> Allen is spelled with two L's, mine's spelled with one. But hey, I'll take it. So, uh, fifty bucks and a court <laughs> friendly court judge will take care of that. Uh, yeah. you're, good you're practically kin. And then, real quick, uh, did you guys ever hear of this? Um, in 1977, after Lucas had finished uh, producing Star Wars, he went to Alabama where Spielberg was shooting Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, Lucas was depressed and told Spielberg that Star Wars did not live up to his vision and thought he had just made a kid's movie. In a move to make some extra money after Star Wars, Lucas proposed that each director give 2.5% of their movie's profits to the other person. Fortunately, Close Encounters got Lucas money and saved Columbia Movie Studios from bankruptcy. However, it was much better for Spielberg. Spielberg, he still receives tons of money constantly from Star still. Wars merchandise, DVDs, and re-releases. So I yeah. found that on the internet. So is that? Have you guys heard that? Too? Yeah, that's true. Okay. He has points in Star Wars. Spielberg yeah. does, and 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 still, he has said he still gets money from Star Wars to this day. And he was actually on the on deck to direct Return <clears throat> of the Jedi, oh, but nice. because um, Lucas was having trouble with the Directors Guild at the time, he couldn't I, I don't know there's some kind of snafu going on there where Spielberg would not be permitted to direct Return of the Jedi because of Lucas and so it went to what was it uh, Richard Marquand I believe yeah no, I'm not yeah, sure hey, anyone hello no <laughs> solo cast okay let's move on to our top 10 uh, uh, from the man we had to uh, narrow it down and you gun to your head have to pick 10 films yep. only 10 um, this is difficult Eugene it was it was very difficult and I actually I've got a couple of honorable mentions when we're done and then I have a couple of flat out Thumbs down, bad from the man. And I have the exact same thing. I did. Okay. The, I have a couple. Yeah. Let's let's know. save the the extra until until we're done with our top ten, though. Just so that there's no surprises. Uh, number ten, Eugene. I'm gonna let you go first, then Steven, then me. We'll just keep going around the horn. Okay. My number ten all time greatest Steven Spielberg movie is Jaws. Wow. wow. Do we have do we have different different Whoa. lists? Yep. <laughs> Yep, uh, I thought Jaws was fantastic, um, it, but and just so you know, every single top ten here is a perfect score for me. So it's it's they're so minute, yeah, in the placement. But literally, all, my top ten for Spielberg are all perfect scores. So yeah. it's it's you know yeah I know it's I know. splitting hairs. But Jaws, I I guess is number ten, but. I struggled a lot with this list because I was debating between uh, rewatchability and quality. Yeah. And there were some that the quality is without a doubt a 10, but the rewatchability is a 3. <laughs> yeah. Hey, honey, sense. grab the popcorn. It's Schindler's List time. Okay, Steven. <laughs> Steven, number 10. 
Okay, well, I'm going to go... Man, this was hard, too. And some of these movies I haven't seen in a while, so it's kind of like you're just trying to think back to when you first saw it. But I'm going to go with one that I watched recently, and as recently as uh, yesterday. I'm going to put Duel at number 10. I honestly, I did... I just had so much fun with that movie. It's such a simple kind of premise and an idea, but just to get that kind of a good story and that much entertainment from that. And it's shot really well. And, you know, only is what second or third movie I I'm putting duel at number 10. Uh, nice. Hopefully that's okay. There we go. Yeah. That's many good movies. There's hardly any arguing you can do about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Number 10 for me is Jurassic park. And I would probably put it a little higher, but because it was so profoundly impactful on me the, the very first time that I saw it, but man on repeat viewings and maybe i'm just getting a little older that there's uh, there's flaws in there uh, only flaws to, uh, to be uh, <laughs> completely exploited in the scene yeah. uh sound dude <clears throat> were you gonna be in on this or do you just want to keep what do you want to do i'm just listening oh, okay he's, Eugene, actually, he's actually texting he's not listening <laughs> Honey, almost done with stupid podcast. (laughs) Ty still counting down on this period. Okay, Okay, number nine for me is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, man. Uh, My, uh, it's, again, it's it's a great movie. It's timeless. Uh, Everything about it works beautifully. Uh, Sean Connery and Harrison Ford, they truly feel like father and son. That actually might be the best father-son pairing uh, I've ever seen in a movie. They're, they they work so great together. So great. Agreed. So, uh, Stephen. My number nine, uh, I'm going with uh, 2002 Catch Me If You Can. Um, it might be a kind of uh, a light movie, but... Um, one of my life, one of my long, long uh, life dreams is to be like a professional thief or a con man. Um, I'm still working on that, but I just, I, I love the story. <laughs> the story is just so entertaining. I just, I love the idea that this guy just kind of goes through life and just becomes different people. And just, I, I love the story. I think you guys talk about rewatchability. I, 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 I you know, that's one that I could just watch kind of over and over without any real problem. So uh, I'm putting that at number nine. Uh, number nine for me is <laughs> probably a little controversial, but I was at the perfect age when I watched it, much like Jurassic Park, and that is Hook. Uh, I, this movie gets dogged a lot, and it's always by people who are at the wrong age when it came out. I happen to be at the perfect age when it came out, and I love it. I still sit around with some of my friends, bangerang, and making uh, <laughs> references to that movie, and uh, we get all pumped up. I, I love that movie. It's it's great. Um if you don't I, like it, I totally understand its flaws and everything, but it, 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 hit me, it hit me at the perfect time. That's all I can say about it. It was really even hard to put it above Jurassic Park. But honestly, if I have to look at this list, there's a better chance I'm going to watch Hook than Jurassic Park. <laughs> I, so I, I had to put it at above. Yeah, Hooks. I'm, I grew up on Hook as well. I saw that movie numerous times growing up, so yeah, yeah. Wow. It, jugg- it juggles a lot of uh, interesting themes of like, uh, especially in the beginning, a very dark, stealing kids, and then you know, uh, Pan re- retaining his humanity or memory or however <clears throat> you want to put it, and charging off into battle, and then it's all downhill from there. But anyway, <laughs> it's still a very entertaining film. Your never, kids, your kids will love it. Never seen it. 
Oh, wow! <laughs> yeah, that's one I... I actually have an unwatched Spielberg list over here, and that is... Uh, that's on that list. Never seen it. I love that movie. You're, it, it probably won't resonate too much with you now. Uh, yeah, I know. But but your kids will love it. Uh, okay, number... What are we at? Eight? Number yeah. eight for Eugene. Uh, number eight for me is Duel. Uh, it's I've I've grown up on that. Well, I don't want to say I've grown up on the movie, but I've, since my uh, late teens, early twenties, I for the first time I watched that movie on VHS. I fell in love with it, and uh, it's the, like we talked about on Cinema Sidekicks. It is the it's a fantastic minimalist thriller, and everything about it uh, screams what is yet to come with Spielberg, uh, and it's all there. Uh, especially for such a, a young guy at that age to make such a good movie, it's incredible. So, yeah. big fan. Okay, for my for my number eight, um, it's probably higher up on your guys' list, but I'm going with Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. We actually, me and the sound director, watched this last Friday. It's been a, quite a while since I've seen it. Just kind of wanted to watch it and refresh my memory. And it's about, uh, you know, just as I remembered it, and I'm sure we've all seen it, so... Uh, there's some others I like better, but I mean, it's still easily, uh, we're the, uh, top 10 Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, number eight for me is a complete and total cheat. I, instead of debating which of the Indiana Jones movies should go here or there or whatever, I decided to package them all together. And number eight is Indiana Jones one through three. Yes, the keyword <laughs> because that's all there is. <laughs> Until part five, where we hope that Shia LaBeouf can redeem himself, or, or not be in it, or not be in it at all. Or... <laughs> Mutt Williams. Okay, yeah. <laughs> number seven, Eugene. Number seven for me is Jurassic Park. Uh, like Eric said, there are a couple things in it that, upon repeat viewings, is like, eh, but it's still. Uh, the sense of awe that that movie brings is it's still watching it. I'm like, he brought dinosaurs to life in that movie. Yeah. The comedy works in it. Uh, the The effects are fantastic. The storyline is extremely fast-paced. Fantastic movie. And the score. The score is so good. So good. It was played at your wedding. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. Amongst other titles on yes, this list, it was uh, Godfather. It was like, it was all uh, movie scores. Good stuff. Jaws. Yep. Okay, my number seven. I'm going with. I wonder if you guys have this on your list. 2012 Lincoln. I don't know if you guys. I assume you guys have seen it, but um, I think that Daniel yeah. Day Lewis, his performance alone, makes it worthy of a uh, top ten. And you know, I'm kind of a history guy, and I just. You know, I just found this movie endlessly fascinating and entertaining. And again, Daniel Day-Lewis is more than worth the uh, price of admission here. So, Yeah, great uh, movie. If we don't comment on it too much, it means that we have uh, thoughts in store ahead. So just yeah. hang on to that. <laughs> uh, number seven for me is Artificial Intelligence AI. And this is a... It's kind of a controversial film because a lot of people, it's got its lovers and it's got its haters. Uh, but if you really dissect that film, that was a powerful performance by Haley Joel Osment. And Spielberg is doing his best to channel Kubrick uh, because this was Kubrick's final script that just didn't get made. Yeah. Because he passed away. And Spielberg is a huge Kubrick fan. And 
he did a fantastic job. Now, he still can't get away from being Spielberg, <laughs> as you can tell, but it if you look at it through that prism of being a Kubrick film via Spielberg, it is pitch perfect in tone. And it's not any higher on my list because of rewatchability, tad sketchy, because while it tries really hard to be a Kubrick, it's not quite a Kubrick. Uh, but still a very enjoyable sci-fi flick. Have not seen that one. Oh, it's a good movie. You should definitely give it a try. Uh, Eugene, number six. Number six for me is Schindler's List. Uh, recently, I went through a Holocaust kick where I watched a bunch of Holocaust movies, uh, mainly because of the fantastic documentary uh, show that I watched. And I'll tell you what... Schindler's List is the perfect movie. There is nothing that I could think of that I would change in that movie. It's so devastating. One of the most devastating movies I've ever seen. Rewatchability is extremely low. I've only seen the movie twice, watched it in the theater, and then I watched it just recently for the second time on Blu-ray. Yeah. But it is is a masterpiece of American cinema. And, uh... and, And... even though I probably won't watch it again for at least another five years, if not longer, it deserves a spot on the top ten Spielbergs of all time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we we often talk about uh, ten year movies. That's a yeah, ten year. That movie. is a ten year movie. Yep. At the at most. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. The- my my number six. I got E. T. Um, didn't quite make my top ten or top five. I should say just out there, but uh, definitely worth a uh, top ten and. You know, it's uh, it's a movie that I watched fairly late in my life, and I, I saw it a couple times. And you know, it's uh, just as charming the second time as it was the first time. It's just a uh, really wonderful, heartwarming story. And I just, you know, I bought it, and I really just uh, really enjoyed the movie. So, number six, ET. And it's just it's Schindler's List. It it's such a derail, but it's like. <laughs> Schindler's List, so powerful, Holocaust and Jews and stuff, and then you're like... E.T. E.T. Alien, phone home, Reese's Pieces, you know, the whole... Thing. <laughs> trust me, I understand. Drew Barrymore, so it, it, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to, to dive on. No, wait, I like this movie after your Holocaust thing. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen E.T. in a long time, man. I remember digging it, but, man, it's been so long. Um Number six for me is Saving Private Ryan. Uh, was really intermixing this one and Schindler's List because, man, the rewatchability is so low on these movies. Uh, and you s- only twice. That's shocking. I've seen both those at least five or six times. But now at this point, after seeing them half a dozen times, the rewatchability is through the floor. Uh, that's a 10 to 15 year rewatch because... I know how depressed I get after watching that stuff. But that doesn't diminish from the artistic value of it. They are brilliant films. Mm. Uh, So number six for me is Saving Private Ryan. Number five, Eugene. Uh, Before I get into number five, I just want to make a comment on Steve's uh, E.T. Because (laughs) E.T. did not make my top ten list, and here's why. I've only watched E.T. one time, and I watched Mm -hmm. it in the theater, and my mom took me to see it, and she refused to let me watch... Return of the Jedi, that was on at the same time because I was bitching and moaning about, I want to watch Return of the Jedi, Return of the Jedi. No, it's going to be E.T. So I watched it one time and I remember crying in the end and it, it 
infuriating. I'm like, the sad movie and Return of the Jedi is on next door at the at the theater in Dover or the the two screen be- theater. And I've watched that movie one time and never again. And so Aww. there you go. There's my there's my E.T. story. So yeah, Holocaust and E.T. with his finger traumatizing small children. Yes. Over to you. Over to me. Okay. So number five for me is Saving Private Ryan. Oh, we. Oh no, yep. we missed. No, uh, that's close. Right. We're close. Uh, but we Saving Private Ryan, I think, has a little bit more replay value than Schindler's List does, uh, but it's still. Uh, it's still such a rough movie. The violence is so I'm I, you know me. I like my violence. I like my horror movies. But Schindler's List, or I'm sorry, uh, Saving Private Ryan is a you just cringe and you're like, oh, this is not fun at all. Not to cool, watch. man. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's still uh, as far as war movies go, it's not my all time number one favorite war movie, but it is. It's in the top two. So there you go. All right. Uh, Steven, number five. Okay, my number five. And I actually just watched this, I think, almost right close to a year ago. And I think it was the second highest grossing movie in 1977 after Star Wars. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I saw it one time, again, about a year ago. And I have to tell you, it holds up really well for a a sci-fi movie. You know, it just... It caught my imagination, and it, it, it kind of takes a while to get to, to where you actually get to the alien stuff. But once you do, just that whole trip you're on, and finally you get to the end, and you see the spaceship and the aliens and all that stuff, uh, it was just fantastic. It uh, Again, I think it holds up really well, and I had so much fun with Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So I had to uh, put it in my number five spot. Okay. Uh, number five for me is Schindler's List. Eugene, five, six, we were yeah. right there. <laughs> uh, like you said, rewatchability is a factor, but in the case of Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List, I put uh, the rewatchability is borderline equal. Uh, the only reason that Schindler's List got the one step up is the quality, without a doubt, a 10. I think anybody that gives this movie less than a 10 just doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's such an amazing film. What hasn't been said about that movie? If you're not crying by the end of it, you're a Nazi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number four, Eugene. You're, you're, you are right about Schindler's List. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty good with not crying in movies, but uh, that one there, there is, if you can't, if you end up not crying in the end of Schindler's List, there's, Something you are you. damaged. Yes. <laughs> okay, uh, we are number four? Yeah, number four. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, and I, I appreciate what you did there, uh, all lumping them into one, but each, each here's the thing with me, with Indiana Jones, each one of those holds a certain special place in my heart. Because I completely of, agree. Because That's of the why time I couldn't I saw, pick, so I yeah. put them all in one. <laughs> so, uh, Raiders, uh, I, I remember... I remember like it was yesterday watching that movie in the theater with my mom, and I remember the thoughts that were going through my head, especially the end, with the traumatic, violent stuff in the end. And it, you know, I'm 40 years old, and I remember being six years old when I saw it the first time. So, uh, uh, the first time I saw that movie in the theater, I was 23. I saw it on a, <laughs> I saw it on a late show, like oh uh, yeah, at Tinseltown, yep. uh, by myself. By the way, I couldn't get anybody to go with me. 
<laughs> I went by myself. Watch Raiders, just yep. so you know. Okay. Uh, number four, Stephen. My number four. You talked about Hook growing up on Hook, and I, I did too. Um, but I'm going with Jurassic Park. And again, you guys always talk about rewatchability. I think this is the prime example of rewatchability, and it holds up really well. The special effects are still fantastic. And, you know, even as a kid, I was really into dinosaurs. I remember I had, or dinosaurs, I had, I remember I had like these educational pamphlet things that you put into a big binder and all that stuff. So I was really yep. into dinosaurs <laughs> and stuff. And then Me obviously too. you watch Jurassic Park, it's just like, awesome and you know it's just that you know something like that it just stays with you i think pretty much the rest of your life so i you know jurassic park for me is just one of those there's nothing lifelong wrong with movies that. there yeah there's seriously nothing wrong with that and uh, one of the reasons that those effects still hold up so well is that spielberg knows the right time to cut to digital and when to have a real effect yeah. in camera and mm-hmm. you can see that in the original Jurassic Park. It, yeah. It's a great uh, juxtaposition. Yeah. Um, there was something else I was going to say. One of the reasons that Jurassic Park got knocked down for me is because after the movie, I, it, it had such a g- profound effect on me. I walked out of the theater the first time, because I hadn't seen a tra- trailer when I watched that movie the first time. I just... Walked out, walked into the theater blind, saw this movie. It's about dinosaurs or something. Blown away, walked out of the theater and was like, well, that really, really sucks. Because I'm a huge movie guy, or I'm trying to be at 13, and that movie was so good, Hollywood will never, ever top it. Ever, <laughs> ever. Like, all of movies are ruined for me forever. Because that was so good. <laughs> I saw that thing like five times in the theater. And then I read the book. And the book ruined the movie for me because the book was super hard R-rated. Yeah. Way better mm. than the movie. And I was like, why didn't you do that? You could have done that very easily. Anyway, but there's I have no problem with you putting it up that high. Uh, where are we at? Number four? Three. Number four. Well, four for me. I'm wrapping up the round. Oh, four, yeah. Uh, number four for me is, and you were talking about it earlier, and I... Put it higher than you. Catch me if you can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is one thing that Spielberg is excellent at is genre hopping. Yeah. He can do a drama. He can do sci-fi, action adventure, whatever the hell you want it to be. The guy can freaking do it. I haven't seen a full-on comedy from him yet, but Catch Me If You Can is a pitch-perfect drama. Bits of thriller. Funny. Uh, it's a brilliant film, and uh, upon I, like the first time I watched it, it was like, yeah, that was a good movie. Second time I watched it was like, yeah, that was a good movie. About the third time I watched it was like, <laughs> damn, dude, that is a good movie. Like there is not a frame I would change in that thing. It is an absolute ten, and it's completely entertaining all the way. Actually, the last time I watched it I was like, oh man, this thing's two and a half hours long at least. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just start it and watch a little bit of it. Watched the entire thing all the way through. Went by like a flash. Because it's fantastic filmmaking. And if you haven't seen it in a while, I encourage you to. Uh, number three, Eugene. Number three for me is Kalima Rule the World. <laughs> Temple of Doom. The Temple of Doom. My personal favorite of the Indiana Jones movies. Uh, again, like I said with Riddles of the Lost Ark, because of the time that I watched that and the impact that it had on my life, that was 
That was, along with Gremlins, the reason that PG-13 was invented. I was one of the lucky ones that actually got to see that in the theater uh, because it was an Indiana Jones movie. So what could be harmful with this thing? Well, yeah. as, a, as a 10-year-old boy, even watching it now, I'm 40 now, watching that movie now, that's a violent movie. Well, your mom took you at 6 to watch the face melting at the end of Raiders? Like, that yeah. was okay. You, you guys were good. I, we're me. good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Indiana Jones, uh, Temple of Doom, something about the, the score, the storyline, it's it's... It's an action horror movie, really, and yeah. so even back then, I was already into this type of thing, and that is why it has uh, the third spot on my Spielberg list. I, it's my favorite Indiana Jones movie. That's one of the very few movies where the um, the girl the girl's scream is just music to my ears. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, not not I mean not Kate in a sadistic Cashaw. way, but yeah. Uh, who married Spielberg? Still, yeah. Uh, but the t- the 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 notes she hits when she's screaming—it's like perfect, like nineteen thirties, forties cinema. Yeah, uh, like the perfect scream queen. Oh, it's just perfect. I love it. And, and I really like that the fact that the sequel takes place before the original, for really no reason at what? all. It, yeah. Oh, it, Temple of Doom takes place before Raiders of the Lost Ark. Whoa, whoa. Where? <laughs> I'm going to need some sources on that. I've never yeah. heard that before in my life. Yeah, do a search. Oh, <laughs> do a search, Doom. he says. F you. Do your own homework. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> Google it, bitch. Google it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but yes, Temple we'll, of Doom. We'll suppo- report back on that yeah. next episode. In the meantime, we're we're a little <laughs> busy over here. Okay. I'm pretty sure that... that that uh, Temple of Doom takes place in 36 and Raiders in 40, like uh, when the Nazis are. You know, oh, I don't care. Raiders is the bottom of my indie list, so if I had to pick, because Temple of Doom, I believe, was the first one that I saw. Uh, as yeah. I recall as a, as a kid. And uh, you and I are on the same page. I was shocked to discover that most people don't agree with us on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. So good. We're the weird ones. That's all right. Yep. Okay. Uh, Steven, number uh, three. Uh, my number three is John Gross's favorite, I think, favorite movie of all time, Jaws. Uh, I mean, everyone knows what Jaws is. Don't really need to discuss it that much. I mean, it's just a fantastic movie. It'll make you never want to go in the ocean. It's one reason why I'll never go in the ocean, because I don't want to be eaten by a shark. Um, <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, what what do you need to say about Jaws? It's Jaws, yeah. and it's it's fantastic. So, my number it's three. One of those, it's one of those, if you don't like it, you're wrong. Absolutely. Uh, number three for me, and there was a lot of struggle in this debate, but... <clears throat> Because how can I put this above Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List, but, again, the friggin' rewatchability. And that's Minority Report. Especially if you have the Blu-ray, the sound on that thing is phenomenal. Uh, When she screams, run, your sound system will just shatter every window in your house. It's beautiful. Uh, I I really love the movie, and Spielberg's resurgence into a science fiction has never been more welcomed by anyone. I, I get so frustrated when these masters of sci-fi stop doing sci-fi for small drama pieces and whatnot. Cronenberg, uh, make another sci-fi movie. More fly body horror craziness. Existence, uh, yes, please. I agree. I couldn't <laughs> more agree more, more on that. that. Yes. Uh, anyway, 
number two, Eugene. Number two for me is uh, War of the Worlds, Tom Cruise. Uh, this one here actually took me the second viewing to completely fall in love with the movie. The first time, I really liked it. Second time, I'm like, I not a thing I would change in this movie. Uh, the action is so intense and so good, and I actually have come to appreciate the fact that there are certain scenes in that movie that Spielberg holds back, where he could have gone full on. I actually appreciate the fact that he actually held back. It makes it more, for me, almost more intense. Tom Cruise was at the top of his game, even though that was the movie that I believe that he had his public meltdown. He is still a list actor, and he does a fantastic job in War of the Worlds. It is my number two movie from Steven Spielberg. Uh, that's fine, and you know that, that's the key sign of a good director when has when when your urge is to just gush forth, just you pad it up and go slow. Uh, Steven, number three, uh, two, two. Sorry. Um, number two, I'm going to go with, and you know, you guys talk a lot about rewatchability, and I understand <laughs> it, but I think at at a certain point, a film or a piece of art is so good that. You almost have to ignore rewatchability. At least that's my opinion. And Schindler's List at number two for me, I mean, yes, it's not a movie you're going to watch every day. But if it's that perfect or that good, how can you not have it that high on your list? I mean, that's kind of just my opinion. But No, um, look, no, no arguments there here. There is <laughs> no argument for putting that movie higher. <laughs> yeah. Whatsoever. Uh, to be honest, having it at number five on my list, I feel ashamed because it's it's the most perfect movie he's made. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I understand both sides of the argument. Again, I mean, at, at some point, it's just you know arbitrary where you put it, anyways. But yeah, uh, that's where I add number two. So yeah. uh, nothing wrong with that. Um, okay, wrapping up number two for me is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Obviously, sci-fi dork is going to rule out here and put that in there, but every time that I watch that movie, I pick up new stuff. And often I'm blown away by the ending so much to the point that I forget the first third. In the first third, you find a uh, aircraft carrier in the desert. I mean, who the hell was doing that <laughs> in the 70s? Do you know what I mean? With unknown actors, Richard Dreyfus, who's that guy? Yeah. That's amazing. Just watching that film again, if you pay attention to the first half, there are so many scenes in there that he constructed that are just just phenomenal. Just it's a fantastic film. It's one of the pinnacles of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, you're 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 wrong. You're wrong. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh number where are we at? Number one, Eugene. Wrap us up. Number one movie of all time from Steven Spielberg is 1941. I'm just joking. Oh, that's good. Because I was about to punch <laughs> Close Encounters of the Third Kind is my favorite oh, movie. Oh, wow. Movie of I'm all surprised. Time. Yes. Wow. Yep. Uh, of all of my... I actually went through the list several times. I'm like, you know, Close Encounters is continues to be the go-to movie of Spielberg's for me. And I, also, I will say this, it helps that... It is one of my wife's favorite movies. She loves Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So we've watched it together numerous times. Uh, and it's, it is, to me, it is a timeless, timeless movie. This, like Eric said, the special effects, uh, they still hold up. In fact, I actually think they hold up better than the original Star Wars 
George Lucas's original Star Wars. I agree. Not the re- yeah, uh, the special effects are unbelievable in that movie. The cloud effects, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the score, everything about it is a perfect movie. It is one of my all-time favorite movies. And here is how I'm going to connect Close Encounters of the Third Kind to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> <clears throat> Watch this. So there's a scene in Close Encounters where everybody's around a table. And they're discussing what's going on with the lights in the sky. There's this old man that starts talking about Bigfoot. You remember this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you never, I've been never so scared in my life. That guy plays Ed Gein in the movie Deranged, which came out in 1970. Uh, uh, which was based, uh, which is based, was based on, on based on <laughs> Motherface, Texas. So there is your connection to closing. So, so. Close Encounters of the Texas Chainsaw Kind. There you go. <laughs> I'm impressed. Most impressive. Yes. Thank I, you. I, I, I applaud. I'm a Golf horror club. dork. Golf yes. club. Golf club. <laughs> <laughs> and all of that gets cut cut out of the uh, final. No, no. Uh, it's definitely staying in. Uh, okay. Number one. <laughs> number one, Steven. Well, before that, I, uh, we all have Close Encounters in our top five. So that's good. And like I said, I've only yeah. saw it once. And it, again, it was within the last year. And it was good enough for me to have it at number five. And with repeat viewings, it could even get higher than that. Like you guys said, it's just, it's really good. It's it really good. More, on rewatch, gets way more emotional. Yeah, like it you does. Get, you get super attached to the characters, but that's yeah. a Spielberg trait. Yeah. And yeah. I'll tell you what, 10 times more when you have kids of your own. I'm yeah. just going to say there, that. There, yes, there are scenes in that movie where you're almost like as a rewatching it as a parent, almost shaking. Cause I'm like, Holy crap. <laughs> I, I just want to grab my kid and run into the closet and <laughs> hide. <coughs> and the kid's like, Oh, what's that? Bright lights, noise. I'll wander out into the street. And you're just like, yeah. Son of a bitch! <laughs> All right. anyway. uh, but my number one uh saving private ryan i guess uh, it's my uh I, it's my favorite uh i almost said horror movie it's my favorite uh war movie of all time and again i mean saving private ryan we all, we all know what it yeah we all know what it is and i just again i just think it's just that good and uh, again that that opening scene you know when they stormed the beach i mean just how they ever film that, I, I have no idea. I think it's just uh, fantastic. It's got to be my number one, so. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Uh, what are you going to do? Uh, number one for me is Jaws. And I, I, this, I feel, was the perfect um, culmination of uh, masterpiece, rewatchability, uh, smashing the envelope to pieces and really setting the standard for what is the summer blockbuster. It's a brilliant film. Hits all the right tones uh, as far as family, uh, fatherhood, fathers and sons. Beautiful dinner scene. Uh, and heading out into action and danger and horror and adventure. It's just a freaking little bit of everything. And I was hard pressed to just not make it my number one, and the damn if I don't agree with John Gross, it <laughs> is. Yeah. Uh, I re- real quick, uh, honorable mentions. I wanted to add uh, War of the Worlds. Love that film. The only reason it didn't make it is because that freaking annoying tween kid. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to throttle. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing that keeps it from being a perfect film. Uh, Munich. 
extremely underrated uh, wartime spy movie. Yeah, uh, good that, movie. That thing seriously overlooked. That is a very good film. And lastly, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a fantastic film, obviously. Um, but it was just a little too obvious, so I didn't put it in there. I don't know. It, 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 also, how often are you going to rewatch that? That's another reason it didn't quite make my list. Honorable mentions, Eugene. Honorable mentions for me, <clears throat> excuse me, Minority Report. That actually was uh, my number 10, but I'm like, no, Jaws has got to be in there. So uh, Minority Report is just eking into the number 10 spot, but it, it didn't quite make it. AI, artificial, artificial intelligence as well. And Adventures of 1010, he co-directed with Peter Jackson. So I'm including 1010 in this list. Uh, as an honorable mention of for him I directing, I don't know that it was uh, co-directed. I believe he just produced that, and then like um, Jackson directed, he produced, and then for round two, he's going to direct, and Jackson is producing. And that one was a really hard one to cut off my list. That would have been number eleven for me. Because uh, Tintin is a great movie. It is a very, very good movie. Yeah, but uh, I just uh, from everything that I could find, he was just producer. But, yeah. Okay. Uh, and the I'll be just hitting. I'm hitting on everything that is a four star on up. And so the other two that I have are Lincoln and Catch Me If You Can, which we already discussed. So they're great movies. Uh, Honorable mention, Stephen. The first two off my list. Um, at 11, I had Minority Report, and at number 12, I had Munich. So those were the first two out of my top 10, which. I mean, if I wanted to, I could shift some things around and easily put them in there, but those were the first two off my list. Uh, yeah, and that was something that uh, Eugene and I have talked about before where we want to get more directors into the, our director spotlight where we're like, um, here's his great movies and here's his bad movies, because we've, of, we've often been like, uh, here's all ten of the guy's movies. <laughs> That's all yeah. he has. Uh, yeah. And this one was really tough because his top ten was sort of like all these on a given day are kind of interchangeable of, yeah. of greatness of quality. Yeah. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, the guy has made some complete pieces of shit. <laughs> and in my opinion, that would be 1941, Indiana Jones 4 and the crystal skull of the stupid, stupid, stupidness, whatever the <laughs> crap that movie was. And lastly, Jurassic Park 2. I I hate that movie so much. Uh, it's so painful because th- there are scenes of that movie that are enjoyable and entertaining and interesting, and then the rest of it is just god-awful. Why? Yeah. Why are you doing this? And it, Especially if you go read the book, which I read, I, I read it years later uh, and was like, why didn't you just do that? Like, that would have been easy. It would have been a lot easier than the crap that you were making, and it would have cost less, and it would have been better. But what do I know? I'm not <laughs> worth a couple hundred million dollars. Uh, Eugene, the bad uh, from Mr. The, the bad from me is uh, I'm going to put War Horse on here, and I hate to do that because it was shot beautifully, uh, but everything about it screamed we're trying to get an emotional response out of you, and it felt fake to me. Uh it's still technically a well-made movie, but it's just it's it's the uh, sugary sweet PG-ish Spielberg that from ET, but 
I, I just so it's, it didn't it's work. the opposite of a tie review. You love everything and give it a thumbs down. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it just didn't click with me. And of course, Indiana Jones, Crystal Skull, give me a break. Yeah, it's uh, obvious. Yeah. Meh. Uh, and then I also put down here, and I haven't seen this in so long, but Empire of the Sun, I think that it was a good movie, but in the realm of everything else he's done, I was left kind of meh on that. And I remember so little about it other than being kind of bored. Uh, so Got a no score for me. I couldn't get through it. <laughs> really? Oh, I, so, I was like, oh, Christian Bale as a young yeah, child yeah. actor. Yeah, good. Watched the first 30. It was like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So and, and uh, there's other you know Jurassic Park Lost World. I almost included that, but the last scene with T Rex ripping around the city, I'm like that was so badass. There's some great <laughs> scenes in that. No, that are that are all <laughs> encompassed around shit. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't so badass. It was a, it was a shining jewel in a pile of crap. Yes, and it was just like yay, something's happening. It's not girls flipping around doing somersaults, <laughs> kicking the velociraptors, and stupid. Yeah. Right, anyway, <sighs> that was good. Uh, yeah, Vince Vaughn is saying yes, he's he saying was, things. He was in it. <laughs> uh, Stephen. Um, I only had one. I mean, there's a number of stuff here that I haven't seen, um, but the one movie that's just god awful is indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull we all agree on that just what on earth happened uh george lucas got in the way and as much as i love george lucas and defend a lot of his decisions from everything that i've been able to uh find online uh, take that with a grain because i have no idea how much truth is in that but from everything that i was able to uh read he was the problem no, we must do this, we must do this, we have to do this. Must keep that storyline, this plot line, that refrigerator, that monkey flying through the vines. That, that's, that's Shia. That's Shia. Shia. Mutt Williams. <laughs> when you're doing those kinds of things, there's, it's pretty indefensible, dude. Uh, okay, that's going to wrap up this gigantic director spotlight. And as always, we want to wrap it up with a quote from the man himself, Mr. Spielberg. I interpret my dreams one way and make a movie out of them. And people see my movies and make them part of their dreams. That's just perfect Spielberg. I like that. It's very much uh, the way that I envision the man. Okay. Hey, Uh, Steve, real quick here, just just curious if Steve, did you, because you just watched Close Encounters not long mm -hmm. ago, did you pick up the end credits uh, as the ship was flying away did you pick up that music that that was uh, the one you wish upon a star, the Disney Walt Disney World music? Uh, I don't think did I you did. did. No, I, I don't know. I, it's been because quite a while since I've seen it. That's that music. Uh, and it took me a long time to, when I was watching it, uh, this was several times, several times ago, a couple of years ago, Jody was like, you realize that's that's the Walt Disney World when you wish upon a star music. Hmm. I'm like, yes, yes, it is. Oh, and yeah, I, wonder I do what, remember what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 you're right. And I'm wondering what com- came first. Did Was it already in place at Walt Disney World, or did John Williams score that, and then Walt Disney World was like, hey, we'll use that? I, I'm not sure about that, but I do know that his... I could be a little bit wrong on this, but his father, I believe, was a mathematician and his mother was a piano teacher. 
both of those influences uh, were very apparent in Close Encounters of the Third Kind because at the end, you meet the aliens and it's all about what? Math and piano. Math and, yeah, it is. And, and uh, Charlie Rose pointed that out to him in an interview around the table, Charlie Rose, and he's, he adored that. He recognized that fact. Nice. Uh, but if you listen to a lot of um, scores, obviously he's worked with John Williams many, many times, but uh, you look at Schindler's List and you look at, uh, obviously, uh, Close Encounters and uh, a lot of his other major works, a lot of the score, a lot of focus on piano, a lot of quick tones at uh, specific points, and they're all piano. Uh, obviously, that uh, played a big role, and I don't know how much influence he has on the score, but apparently some. His mom was a piano teacher, and <laughs> freaking yeah. Close Encounters, man. Who can't hum that theme? Yep. Uh, that would, okay, that, that would be one to uh, be fun to watch up at your place, Eugene. Yeah. Hey, if you guys want to, uh, we can watch that one. We can have that one on the build to watch. It's a fantastic film, and um, I would love to Skype. Uh, we could maybe do a commentary <laughs> with that while we do it. Uh, but again, the first half of that movie, it, often overlooked because the second half is so amazing. But that first half of that movie, just it it it, it is the mashed potatoes. This means yes. something. This is yes. important. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Uh, recently watched you guys want to touch on any other movies that you have seen recently we got a little bit of time we can cover a couple of them um, Eugene yes no uh, yes uh, let's see here um, you know because the I don't want to say the remake or reboot whatever uh, but I, I suppose it is is coming out here in a week or two Road Warrior just watched it last night Along with the original Mad Max a couple days ago on Blu-ray, uh, watched them back to back. Yeah, those movies are well. Mad Max is a really good movie. Road Warrior is a near, if not perfect, movie. Yeah, uh, it, especially with '80s action, it's it's right up there, if not eclipsing uh, Rambo and all those big action movies. How someone didn't die on that movie is beyond me. Um, and rewatching it again, I've seen it numerous times, but rewatching it last night, the only, my only, only, only complaint on that movie is some of the score wouldn't have, they almost could have created even more tension not having any music at all. Uh, and you know, do you guys know what I mean? Like, there's yes. certain times where a scene is so good and so full of action, you don't even have to have music. And that actually makes it more tense. And there's moments in the Road Warrior where I'm like, I don't want music right now. There don't there there shouldn't be music right now. This is so good, it's detracting from what I'm seeing on the screen. It's got a lot of that. Uh, it, it does a big bits of that mm. bombastic score, but that's yeah. part of the exploitation of it. It is, yeah, uh, it, it is. And that transition from '80s '90s uh, hair metal time. That's that's yeah. kind of what you're gonna get. I've never seen any of the Mad Max movies. Oh, listen dude. to me. Watch, <laughs> watch Road Warrior about three times, and then watch Mad Max because yeah. that's the way that I did it, and I appreciated Mad Max so much more because of it. If you go watch that one first, it like I told Eugene, and uh, did you just tell me that that was your first viewing? Yes, I had never seen Mad Max until a couple days ago. I've watched Road Warrior umpteenth times, twenty times. Yeah, yeah. 
watch now, the sequel first because the the original is it's it's slow. It's the best way I can compare it is Terminator. Terminator Road Warrior is Terminator Two, and Mad Max Terminator One. It's yeah. slower. It's more character driven, and you're going to appreciate it a lot more if you've seen the sequel first. And that's not a knock on it. It just that's it's a it's a creature of its time. Yeah, and you're that, absolutely right. Absolutely I, I, I right. probably watched Road Warrior ten times before I saw Mad Max, and when I saw Mad Max, it completely changed Road Warrior for me because it's slower drama, character driven piece. And then I went back and watched Road Warrior, a movie I've seen a dozen times, and it was completely different because it had ten times the emotional impact. Because now I understood what got him to this point, and it just blew me away. Yeah, See, that should go on. That that should go on. I'm so ashamed, uh, especially Road Warrior, Mad Max. I can understand, but Road Warrior, you should you should have seen that, well, or the, you need to see that. <laughs> you're absolutely right. But the best way to explain it is Mad Max is 70s, Road Warrior 80s. It's yeah. it's, it's full on crazy action nonstop, and the Mad Max is 70s. Slow burn, exploitation, drama. Yeah. Now, is that something where I should not even watch the the new Mad Max until I've seen the old stuff? Or do you think, nah, it doesn't matter? <sighs> it's hard to say, but... I mean, yeah. you haven't seen the new one, so, you, but... It, I mean, It's hard to say, but I, I it would... Ah, man... Almost taking a reverse stance because it's like, how do you how do you tell them to don't watch this one before watching, don't watch part I four know. before watching part two, but watch part two before watching part one, yeah, <laughs> and, and just skip skip three altogether. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say that George Miller did direct all of these, so all four of them the same director, which is impressive. He's he's seventy years old and he's uh, just got done making. Uh, this new one, which is really cool. I know, I know. I can't wait to see it. And uh, I've got a, a little bit of an in with a couple of uh, earlier reviewers. And the earlier reviews, guys, my God. Oh, my God. The earlier reviews <laughs> in this thing are, are, are unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, really? Awesome. Unbelievable. Good. So uh, I really envy you, Stephen. You, you are about <laughs> to take a journey, my friend. Yeah. Uh, from decade to decade. And they're like, how can Mad Ma- how can Mel Gibson not be in a new Mad Max? And I'm like, oh please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he stepped out of part three. We don't need him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but one and two, masterpieces of all time. They are, yep, they are great. Uh okay. Steven. Recently uh, watched. Anything you want to throw in there? Yeah. Ex Machina. You guys oh, you talked about this? Ooh, I did. Nice. Oh. It's actually at Tinseltown now. Actually, I watched it um, up at Regal in Akron there. I drove up there when it was playing because I was like, I don't know if it'll come down to Canada or not. So I just went up there and watched it. Like you said, I'm single, so I can go whenever I want to. I just (laughs) 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 Uh, had to throw that jab in there. Um, (laughs) So uh, Your time will come. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, basically, I mean, you probably know what it's about. You know, a young programmer is selected to participate in a breakthrough experiment in artificial intelligence. By Alex Garland, it's his first movie, and he, let's see, he wrote 28 Days Later, Sunshine. He wrote the novel for The Beach. So, um, you know, for his first movie out of the box is really quite impressive. And basically, I mean, the guy is selected to go to this uh, Oscar Isaac. He's the... 
he's like the founder of like basically Google. It's like this big internet search company. Um, he created this robot, uh, this female robot, and basically the whole movie is just to have the guy that comes in, played by Donham Gleason or whatever. He comes in and is basically just supposed to interact with um, Ava and see if. Uh, they truly did create artificial intelligence and that's kind of all i mean there's not any it's not uh like a big action movie it's pretty talky but it's very interesting like it's slow paced and there's nothing major super big happens um you can probably guess pretty much how the movie's going to end especially you eric because your superpower is predicting <laughs> the endings to movies so uh, it's a little tough with these kind of AI robot movies. It's, so, it's a little hard to figure which way they're going to go. So you'll probably be able to see everything that happens, but it's more <laughs> of just the journey. Like it's the acting is fantastic, and and the actual Ava the robot like looks amazing. It is just uh, I'm not quite sure how they did it all, but it looks fantastic. Um, the only one scene, and Chris Stuckman, you guys watched him too on YouTube, he, he brought this up too, and it's one thing I thought about as well. And without spoiling anything, there's a scene towards the end with a helicopter, and it kind of doesn't make sense, but in a way it does make sense. You can kind of work it out like that, but um, I give it a big thumbs up. It's probably my favorite movie I've seen this year. So, um, wow, it, it's nice. in It's in Canton, so if you get a chance... Uh, go watch it. And what's cool is it it's kind of getting water and water release, so it keeps mm-hmm. making more money, so I'm really glad this movie is being seen by more people as we go along. So, yeah. Is it being shown at a uh, private screening with one chair and no other people? Uh, because otherwise, I'm probably not going to see it. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. And fortunately, for when I watched it, it was, compared to what I'm used to, relatively... Um, unruined by people so yeah. yeah well like i was telling eugene uh, in text uh, this week uh, he's like oh, have you not seen avengers how can you not see that oh, i'm getting crap from people online too how have you not seen that yet uh, i explained to him my uh trip with uh interstellar <laughs> and uh the last planet of the apes movie how the big turning points of both <laughs> those movies were completely destroyed for me for all time because I saw them in a theater with people. Uh, when you take that into effect, how forever I will think about Interstellar going, that prick. <laughs> right at that moment, the biggest moment of the movie, he said, that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now it- the whole, like forever, I will think about when I was in the theater watching this movie, that, that guy went and did that. Yeah. And I'm going to think about that forever. Yeah, it's very easy to understand why I I don't go to the theater anymore to watch movies that I'm actually interested in. <laughs> and honestly, it's getting harder for me to go. But it's like I keep saying, like I can't not go. I got I'm, I'm addicted to it. I got oh, uh, to. Time but, will break you. But yeah, <laughs> I am close. Like I, I've been keeping track this year of like my experiences with audiences and there's more thumbs down than thumbs up uh like maynard he won't even go to theaters like he won't even go watch avengers he's he's at your point but he's like i'm done and yes yeah dude interstellar freaking ruined for me for life because of one moment same with that uh apes movie the first one the first recent reboot completely ruined oh the best moment of the movie where it happened my jaw hits the floor. I'm like, that was amazing. And 
teenagers. Ha 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 That was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I will forever think of that every yeah. time I watch that movie. You know, and there's no taking that back. And it's just hard for me to be like, oh, let's go watch Avengers 2. And then something crazy is going to happen. Thor gets his head cut off. And everybody's <laughs> going to say, like, make some Thor head joke about oral sex or something. And I'm, it's going to be ruined for me forever. And I'm, I'm never going to be able to get it back. I'd yeah. rather just wait and watch it either at the Dollar Theater on a Wednesday at noon. or The Dollar Theater until is my, not until my safe. house. Yeah. The Dollar Theater is <laughs> not, not safe. I, it took it's me not. two tries to watch uh, Run All Night. I went back and <laughs> watched it again. Well, you guys heard. <laughs> Why I walked, did you bother? <laughs> I walked. Well, you guys heard. I walked out. You know, one the what five little kids with booster seats walked into Dude, my which theater. Which is a hilarious. That, that is a hilarious story. By it the way, was, it was oh. great. I I, I wasn't you know even mad. I, pull, I was. Do you know how many times I pull into the Dollar Theater in the parking lot? Like, all right, Wednesday noon. I'm good, and I sit in the parking lot. I'm good. It's, it's some crappy Liam Neeson movie. I'll be fine. And right then, either the school bus pulls up and unloads 15 people, or it's the it, the handicapped. Sorry, love you, but the handicapped unloading the with the with the wheelchairs yeah. and the air tanks, and we're all wanting to see the movie I want to see, and I just leave. I don't even bother. I, a lot of times I'll stand in the back before I buy my ticket and go, what did they buy tickets for? <laughs> and they'll tell me and I'll go, thank you, bye. And I'll just leave. I'll just get back in my car and leave. And you've texted me when you did that too. Like I've already got a text like, yeah, I just I just asked and uh, I saw you know, a bunch of old people walk in. And, uh, yeah, it's 57 you know, people t- going in to watch Captain America 2. Yeah. I'm like, why? Did they get lost on their way to the... Okay, whatever. Let's do a quick tease of what we have coming up in our uh, future episodes, whatever uh, show that may be. And then uh, we're going to wrap this whole bag up and be done. Uh, Eugene, I'll let you go first. Okay, uh, I have to wrap things up. My number one movie that I'm going to... I'm looking forward to talking about is a movie that, Steve, I think that you really enjoyed and that is Ethan Hawke's Predestination. I just got it yes. on Blu-ray here. Oh, Picks yes. that up and uh, I I cannot wait to watch this. Uh, I'm actually because I have a little bit of a head cold. I want to this is one no that way. I'm going to wait until I am feeling 100% back to normal and then I'm going to watch that because I have a feeling I'm going to love that movie. Did you hear our, us talk about it? Yes. Yes. It's it's one that I want to watch again. It's uh yeah, it's very interesting for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my that, uh, and then other than that, the usual soft underbelly stuff and Mad Max is going to be in there hopefully sometime. And yeah, that's <laughs> and of course and of course our roulette, which that'll be yeah. on the next episode. Yes, indeed. Uh, okay, Stephen, tease. What do you got coming up? Oh, uh, what 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 do we have coming up? Um, I don't know. Whatever I watch next, I suppose. Um, I do. I guess. Um, one movie I didn't talk about, which I guess I'll talk about later, Unfriended. I finally watched Unfriended. Why? And oh. <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I'm, that's a Eugene soft underbelly kind of thing. I don't... Yes. Yeah, I was hoping to get to that, but I'll talk about Unfriended on the next show. <laughs> and even him, I'd be like, why? <laughs> yeah. I... And, um, yeah, whatever I watch next, I don't know. I'll watch something. <laughs> 
Ty, Ty will be back for our next episode, so um, we'll ask him about his trip and how uh, everything went. And we'll, <laughs> we'll hear his and sales, and <laughs> we'll hear, we'll see how everything went, and we'll maybe see uh, his real review of Avengers. Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's kind of how it's going to turn out. As far as <laughs> <laughs> epic, 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 epic three, three stars. and a quarter stars. <laughs> 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 sale at walgreens okay and for me uh to tease i uh, picked up an, uh, a lot of booty at the library uh kick ass to grand budapest hotel transformers 4 and need for speed i have a plethora of drinking movies ahead of me this weekend and i'm gonna watch them all and I can't wait. I've been looking forward to all of these, but just couldn't quite bring myself to plop down my hard-earned dollars for them. Uh, okay, so if you guys have nothing else to add, we're going to wrap this show up. As always, you can get a hold of us at moviefreakspod at yahoo.com. Please visit our friends Cinema Sidekicks and Cinema Soft Underbelly, both on iTunes. And we'll see you next time. Please say goodbye, fellas. Goodbye. Thanks for having me.